Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight's show, we're going to zero in on several issues up in the air. We're going to talk about uh, coffee up in the air on the airplanes. We're going to talk about uh, eating out salads. We're going to talk about... uh, our old friends about visiting some of these restaurants, with these places, coffee houses, etc. And uh, I'll tell you why we're doing it today. Although I really, uh, people call in with the same thing about the Slurpees. I'm not interested in the Slurpees. If you want, you'll have to call me at the office. But right now, we're only going to concentrate on the issues that I'm mentioning. And the reason we got into this is for the last three or four weeks, my emails have been stuffed with one person, I'm not going to give his name away, you may see it eventually if, if you read whatever he writes. He's working on the, the topic of the coffee and tea in the airplanes. And he started uh, with me asking me questions about it, and then he went to all the different cautious organizations. And it was very interesting because I have all the emails that they sent to him, and he sent to them, he sent it over to me, and it, it reads like a real storybook. Of course, we can't mention the names of the cautious agencies. But what's really interesting is that they are Mizrahumarev. One is saying one thing, one is saying another thing. And sometimes they retracted and changed their opinion. And sometimes uh, we, um, we question whether they're aware of some of the details of the actual physical situation that exists, in other words, what we call the Mitzius. Uh That's where we're going to start, um, but I have a few things to say in advance of that, so stay tuned. We're going to get to the airplane. We're going to take off soon. Now we're going to talk about some other things which I think have to be get said. And I just got, I just opened up a paper from England that they send me regularly, the London Jewish Tribune, and Kadasia, which is, I'm sorry, yeah, Kadasia, which is one of the major kosher organizations in England and one of the most uh, valuable organizations in the world, gave out this announcement. So I'm going to read it to you, and you'll see how it may affect you. It has come to our attention following a visit to Spain that some companies use the same equipment for pasteurizing with hot steam olive stuffs with pimento plain olives, and stuffed with non-kosher fish. So the equipment is trafe. It's being done maybe at the same time with kosher and non-kosher. What could be with an olive? Now we know what could be with an olive. I, this is, uh, it was very shocking to me because I would have thought without this that we're not talking about something very exciting when we talk about olives, and that's obviously what they thought also before they went there. It's therefore advisable to buy olives only if bearing a recognized kosher symbol. And that word recognize is very important because nobody in America recognizes Ashkochas from Spain. And most, almost nobody in America recognizes any of the European Ashkochas. So they, the question of which Ashkochas to rely upon, that's going to come up. So here's a simple product, a simple product that everyone would have thought, what could be wrong with an olive? There's very little in the actual process of itself. But here, we see that they're being steamed together with non-kosher fish in the same plant. 
So obviously the ones who give hashkocha have to be on top of that. Another topic which uh, I, I, w- I want to bring up, it's, it's really not something that I consider to be that uh, big a deal for our listeners. Hopefully this is nothing for you, but I still think it's worth mentioning because it came out, and I, I, I recommend to everybody to get on to the OU Kosher Halacha Yomis. There, you know, there's so many things that come every day. These specials, this news, all kinds of silly things people are getting on their inbox. Well, if you have an email account, sign up at the OU for the Kosher Halacha Yomis. Cost nothing, and every day you get amazing material that they're sending you. It's done lezecher nishmas Rabbi Yisrael Belsky Zatzal, and it's an absolutely wonderful thing. I'm going to read to you one that came uh, just now. It's Rabelsky ruled that one may absolutely not eat a salad at a non-kosher or vegan restaurant. Here are several of the reasons. Marisayan. Of course, if you eat at a non-kosher restaurant, it gives the impression that somebody is doing something that's forbidden, even if you're not doing something forbidden. Number two, the knives used to cut the salad may be soiled from non-kosher use, and that would make the salad not kosher. Number three, even if the knives were clean, if they're used to cut something that's sharp, and a radish is sharp, an onion is sharp, garlic is sharp, or spicy vegetables, or pickles, they'll transfer the non-kosher taste from its previous usage. And number four, many vegetables need to be checked for insect infestation. So, I mean, this is not a, to me, I, would, I call this a no-brainer. I don't think everybody uh, really has to hear that, but, but just there's always somebody out there who still thinks, what could be wrong with the salad? I made sure they did this, I made sure they did that. There's no way to make sure. And even then, it would be considered to be Amarasayim. Now here's something that came from the OU, from the, I don't know if you know about this, the Weber Rebbe. We call the Weber, the Weber Rebbe. The Weber Rebbe, I, I used to know the gentleman who, who started this. The Weber Rebbe means from the web. So the, they call him the Weber Rebbe. So that he answers all the questions for the OU. Every cashless organization that's worth you know, it's weight in gold, the serious cautious organization, the five big ones, and maybe, uh, maybe a bunch of others also, they have a designated answerer. And that answerer answers hundreds and thousands of questions. Unfortunately, we're a small operation, and my, it ends up most of the answering is done by me. But, the, but in the bigger companies, the bigger organizations, they have answer people. And those people are taught a little bit, and then they're throw it out there to answer your questions. And a lot of times, the information they get is not uh, perfect, as we're going to s- discuss tonight. But here is a quote, which I think is very, very important, since we did mention it by Belsky, and uh, I know many people uh, w- uh, you know, feel very much uh, hurt at the loss of, of this Talmud Chochem and Yerei Mayim in our midst, one of the people who Paskin Shilas to for everybody. And uh, I'd like to share with you what they said. Rabelsky held that one should not be told to purchase anything in Starbucks. In other words, don't go into Starbucks. Since there are certain items that are problematic, he thought it was wrong to recommend to purchase some drinks. 
since this will invariably lead to confusion for the tzibur. And he said it was bad chinuch to recommend that Yidin go to non-kosher restaurants, which he considered Starbucks to be. Well, I mean, no, that's not a, of course it's not a non-kosher restaurant. But he means as opposed to just a coffee house, it's a restaurant. Because it's serving trade for food. And purchase the quote-unquote permitted items. In other words, this is not the derech of Torah. And we're going to see that concept said here and by Rabbi Belsky, reiterate, actually said much earlier by the Noda Yehuda, which I hope to be able to quote for you and to be able to, to tell you the actual language of the Noda Yehuda was very famous Noda Yehuda on this topic, which is very much being misused. And that's really the, 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 that's really the essence of some of what we're discussing here tonight. Anyway, so just simple enough, uh, Rabbi Belsky said that you shouldn't go to Starbucks for a few reasons. Number one, there are things there that uh, may not be perfect, and you may, you may get caught with it yourself. And he thinks it's wrong to recommend some things in a place and other things not, because it's going to lead to confusion. If you go in and eat, drink something there, Everyone else is going to think they can drink something else also. And they're going to misunderstand it, and it's going to go snowballing down the road. And he said it's bad chinuch to recommend for, for, Jews, for Jews to go into such places that are non-kosher restaurants, even if they're buying something permitted. So that's Rabbi Belsky's opinion. I certainly reiterate it, even though he, don't, he doesn't need me to say, to say anything about it. But I thought that was very important. Now, here's another one, that Rabbi Belsky, on the airplane, which is, which is supposed to be our topic tonight. Thank you for contacting the OU. This is another web, Rabbi. It's another web. It's the same person. He's answering a second time. Rabbi Belsky personally would not drink coffee on an airplane because of the concern that the carafe that is used to hold the coffee might have been washed out in a non-kosher dishwasher. However, strictly speaking, there is room to be lenient. So even though Rabbi Belsky wouldn't do it, and Rabbi Belsky was one of the poiskim for the OU, but the answer comes back that it's not such a big problem. Since the coffee is already made, and the non-kosher flavor in the carafe would be bottle, and he goes on and, and, he, and he tells everybody that they could have the coffee. And we, the, I didn't write these things, but the person who was writing back and forth Ask them, there seems to be a, co- a contradiction in the position of the OU. Because the OU, meaning the Weber Rebbe, was sending out emails one after the other saying that you could drink the coffee on the airplane, even though he says Rybelsky wouldn't do it. And then there's the same time they're telling you not to take a coffee in a non-kosher restaurant. So the gentleman who wrote these, he asked them to clarify it. And basically, I'm not going to go through all the details, but basically the clarification was that there are perhaps some differences between the situations. And anyway, it's all based on this famous Noda Behuda, which is the secret Noda Behuda that everybody knows about, but no one ever really gets, gets it straight. So I'm going to read the Noda Behuda to you in a minute. Again, what do we have here? We have Rabbi Belsky saying that you shouldn't go into the Starbucks. We have Rabbi Belsky Zatzal saying that you shouldn't, have, shouldn't drink coffee on an airplane. 
because of the concern that the carafe was, was washed in a non-kosher dishwasher. Now, I want to tell you about that dishwasher because that seems to be one of the biggest issues in the discussions with the different kashrus agencies because some of them said, don't drink the coffee on the airplane. Some of them said you could drink the coffee in the airplane. And I have long lists, I don't have time to go through it, long lists of reasons why they're lenient. And the reasons seem to be maybe this and maybe that and maybe this and maybe that. But what are the facts? That's the question, not what are maybes. Maybe it wasn't washed together with anything else. That's a little strange. Why was it washed separate completely? Maybe they didn't use Cleary shown. It was only Cleary but we're going to show you it was a Cleary shown. Maybe it wasn't that hot. Maybe they put in soap, but they don't in the, in the pre-rinse. Maybe this, maybe it's bottle, maybe. All the maybes, I know there are 100 maybes, but do we need to have a coffee? Somebody's going from here to Chicago. It's a couple of hours you couldn't wait until you got into Chicago, into the office, to get a, to get a proper coffee. You couldn't find a... You, you, we're not traveling out now in the desert, and we're not traveling in the forests. The old traveling that was done, and it's mentioned in all the Svarim, the Taz brings it, all the Svarim bring it down, that you, when you're going in, 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 on a trip, sometimes you have to stay by a goy. And sometimes you have to eat certain things that were made in his kalim because they're, I mean, you assume they weren't used for 24 hours. But in some of these places, like a Starbucks, where they're constantly cleaning the, the equipment and reusing and reusing it, that's where they save the money and reusing the same equipment time and time a day. Same thing with the airplanes. The airplanes are cleaned up and, and moved around so quickly. And anyway, even if the airplanes are taking a long time, but the machines that are, that are washing the dishwashers, they're moving all the time, nonstop, one after another, one after another, one after another. And they're getting that stuff. They're pumping it out as fast as they can because they have to, get the, they have to use it to the maximum in, not, in order not to buy five times as much uh, equipment. That's where they save their money on not getting more equipment, and they keep pushing it through. So there's no question we're dealing with Ben Yomo, where it's been used within 24 hours. Now, now, the fact is that the temperature in the pre-rinse is 170 degrees. We're not talking about your dishwasher. I don't know what temperature reaches in your dishwasher. We're talking about a commercial dishwasher that's used in the airlines. It's 170 degrees. It washes the kosher and the trafe at the same time. The water is considered to be from a Yats, to be Yatsaletispo. It's considered to be a clearishon, and there, it doesn't seem to be much way out of it. It's the first compartment. It's a pre-rinse. Non-kosher dishes are washed together with your carafe, and therefore, that is the same exact thing that goes on in the restaurants. And the old kashrus agencies have been telling us for a couple of years now, we shouldn't be getting a coffee in a restaurant. If we can't get the coffee in the restaurant, we can't be getting it up in the plane. What we can do is we can go over to where the water is in the wall, there's a, uh, a place where they heat the water in the, you know, there's like a dispenser in the wall, in the unit, and you would just sort of push the button and you could get it into a cup and you could make your own coffee or tea. Either you carry some with you or they have stuff there for you to make and that's the, pro- that's the solution. And that's what we strongly recommend. I don't have time to go because it's so, 
I have so much material here, I don't want to uh, confuse you, but the cashless agencies, some of them try to wiggle out of it, and, but the facts are there. Um, others admit it openly. Some of the cashless agencies were not familiar with the details, and you have to remember the person who answers the question may not have gone through this particular topic, because it's something that is about how his products are made. It's not talking about how you make the OUOK, CuffK, StartK. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something about it in the airplane, you know, 20,000 feet up in the air. So you have to have gone to one of these facilities and seen the dishwashing. I didn't even get to the facility, and so far I haven't seen a decent video, but I did see the dishwashers. There's a lot of videos about the dishwashers, the companies that make them, I just see how they wash, and you get an idea a little bit about it. I don't have all the details that are in my head, but I, well, I researched it, and I'm familiar with people who are familiar with it, and I, I consider this to be a very serious issue. And we mentioned it a while back, but because somebody brought this topic up now, so I decided to write a little piece for the magazine. It's about two inches high, and it basically just simply says to avoid taking the regular coffees that they're giving you in the carafe there because it's been washed with non-kosher equipment and to get yourself from the tap. But here is the chuva, which is what I consider to be very much misunderstood. It's um, a chuva in the Noda Yehuda. What's interesting to me, and I, I, I let, me, let me read one more thing before I, before I go to the chuva. I'm not going to tell you who wrote this, because I, I, can't, I can't put it into my head. But you will find it, uh, to, to say this, uh, I, I don't want anybody to be hurt. But to me, this, is, this doesn't ring right. I'm gonna, if you happen to see it somewhere, so you'll, you'll say, oh, that's what Rabbi Wick was talking about. But I'll read you the actual words. The, the recent brouhaha surrounding the kosher status of some Starbucks products has brought a fundamental issue into the spotlight. The kosher certification industry has jumped leaps and bounds in recent years, certifying an oppressive array of products and retail establishments for our convenience. This is generally true in Jewish, large Jewish communities and uh, where there's no shortage of, uh, of kosher products and places to eat. Here's, here's the part that I don't like. Yet, from time to time, we find ourselves frequently, sorry, frequenting uncertified establishments when the craving hits for some, some sort of specialty coffee. Whoa. In other words, we're going to give in to our cravings. This is so un-Jewish. This is so un-Jewish, I can't tell you. I can't believe a rabbi wrote it. It's the whole... We give in to our cravings, you see? Even though, I don't know, that's it. Or when we need to cool off with a Slurpee or a frozen yogurt. We need it. You understand? I need it. That's, the, it's a, that's America. Uh, although this is not from America. Anyway, perhaps the time has come to re-examine our habitual routines and to ask if we are safe in purchasing these products from stores like Second Cup, Starbucks, Menchie's, Yogan Fruz, and Baskin Robbins, and of course here in New York, 7-Eleven. You know, so the point is, the gentleman is saying, he's a rabbi, he's saying that we, we were, you know, we were trying to be machmir, but you know, 
maybe we should be makele and, and allow people to go to these places. Then he, he, uh, he says over here, which is uh, you know, partially true, that the Shulchan Aruch in, uh, in Kuf Yud Dalit spends a full chapter to list processed foods and drinks that can be purchased from an unsupervised environment. It's true that we had to buy products from things that we knew to be kosher, that were raw, that were, pro were not processed. No question we were always buying things from Goyim. We have to. Even till today, you're still going to buy things from non-Jews. But today, we're buying 99% of the things are kosher certified. To go back to the idea that we're going, what could be wrong and to read ingredients and, and to, we're working backwards. That's exactly what's happening here. And this is what, another line here that I didn't like, the kosher traveler has also been afforded leniencies when it comes to eating in a non-kosher environment. While times have changed and food production has become more complicated, surely there must be some basic products upon which kosher certification would be superfluous. Well, when we started Kasha's Magazine 36 years ago, we had such lists. We occasionally would say, what doesn't need Hashkocha? And we had a list. I had a gentleman wrote, wrote an article for me. I don't know, maybe it was 10, 12, 15 years ago. He wrote an article. And maybe he had one, written one way before for me as well about things that don't need Hashkocha. And I asked him again to write it. He's very big in one of the Kashas organizations. And I asked him to write this for me again. And he says, but there's nothing left anymore. <laughs> Basically, we really don't need that. We don't need such a list anymore. We've got, we, you can go to the national stores across America. You, you're stuck in a town. You go into the big, big supermarket, and you can buy things with hashkachas you can't believe. And some of them imported from Europe, some from Israel. It's, uh, with this hashkacha, that hashkacha, the world changed. We don't need this anymore. And here the rabbi is telling me that uh, from time to time we find ourselves frequently uncertified establishments when the craving hits us. For, for some sort of specialty coffee, we need to cool off with a Slurpee or frogs and yogurt. Well, maybe we should, we should really grow up and realize that Hashem wants us to keep the 100% kosher. And if we're more kosher, and as Rabbi Belsky said, it's not good chinuch to go there then maybe we should be listening to our gedolim and we shouldn't be listening to our cravings and our desires and our need to cool off. I mean, you can cool off with plenty of kosher foods that you don't need to go into those places. Anyway, I want to share with you the tshuva from the Noda Yehuda. And before I do that, I'm just going to mention about Glatmar because I don't want to forget. I'm not getting so excited here. <laughs> you know, Glatmar is our sponsor. They're, they're conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. And when you think of, of Glatmar, think of price, quality, convenience, and service. And, and it, uh, some of the items that are on sale this week are semi-boneless chuck, $7.99 a pound. Veal scallopini, $8.16.99 a pound. Mendelssohn's 8-slice pizza, $6.99. Uh, Libra's sandwich cookies, 13 ounce, two for $3. Large eggs, one dozen, 49 cents. Sabra squeeze spreads, 8.5 ounces, 179. These are just a few items. 
And you can save a lot of time if you go into Glatmore uh, from the East 12th Street entrance, and they'll park the car for you at the valet parking service, and they, they'll have it ready for you to load up with all those wonderful items you purchased in the store. And at Glatmart, the quality of meats is A1, with both uh, from both the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush, with, ex- with expert uh, Nikur and uh, and the uh, uh, base Yosef meats. You're getting quality kashras at Glotmart. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart over J-Root, on J-Root Radio over kashras on the air. And send a special regards for me. Hope to be over there tomorrow. We're trying to prepare some, a little program for a future, few future show. Um, and I'd like to read the tshuva from the Note of Yehuda. This is a famous tshuva, and it's been read and misread. I will read it and translate it for you. It's not very long, but it has been, it has been used both ways, to be machmir and to be mekel, to say that you can't eat places or you can. And I just want to remind everybody what, I'm, what the basic point is, how my Rebbe taught me, Rav Hashem, and taught us this years and years ago. By the way, I'm saying, I'm mentioning my Rebbe. This Rabbi Bear, who was on the show right here before me, on the, on the, uh, on the Balchuva hour, his father was my Rebbe, way, 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 way back. Uh, we just touched base now. Anyway, Rabbi Zimman used to tell us that in those days, when they were traveling, they went through the forest. They, would go, they had to go for Parnassa. They went away for days and weeks, and who knows how long, maybe months until they came back. You can learn certain sugas in the in Shulchan Aruch, I'm not going to talk about now, about how often people were away. They were sometimes away for months if they went. And here we're talking about catching the plane, being driven to the airport, getting in the taxi, getting to the airport, getting in the, the plane, coming out, being driven to where we are, and it's three, four hours. Or if you are going on a very long ride, five hours, seven hours, but the worst you could have is less than a day. Now, some things you can give up for a day. It's not something that you're going to go every month or five times a year you have to go into the forest. That's when, there would, that's when they had the leniencies that are mentioned in this forum. Not for our time, where you plan your trip for fun, and you, and you, and you choose the places you want to stay. You want to stay at a bed and breakfast at, two, uh, at $200 a night, and you want to be able to enjoy a continental breakfast there? That's not... That's not bidiyeved. That's not what the, the, the halacha said. The halacha wasn't talking about a bed and breakfast in a non-Jewish setting. The, the, the halacha was talking about a person who had nothing to eat. He was, he was traveling and there's nothing to buy. There's no, there's, no, uh, uh, there's no supermarkets. There's nothing he can get kosher. So he has to work for what's there. That's, that was the way it was there. And the foods were much simpler. They didn't have all the additives and all the th- things that we have in it. Now, let's read the tshuva. This is the note here. By the way, one of the swarm I was, one of the sources that I was checking caused me a lot of trouble. He quoted it as being in the wrong safer because the note of Yehuda wrote two, volume one and volume two. Volume one is called Kama and volume two is called Tanina. And he said it was in Tanina, but I was looking for it all over the place until I said, maybe he made a mistake, and it was in the first volume. So here it is. It's 
not to be Yehuda, comma, and the, uh, and the piece is in Lamed Vov, 36. Aldova kofi shalin, shal enem Yehudim bekofi haiza shalom, shaloh. You're going to a coffee house to get coffee, in the non-Jewish setting. Yofe hoira le'iser. It's right that you said that he shouldn't partake of the coffee in the coffee house. She'ain kan shum safek. There's no doubt in my mind. Ubevadai heim b'neyoman. Those things are used today and being reused, and those those kalim are became uh, non-kosher today. The case over there should bechol shah shoyisimihem cholov shal ena yehudi. Now today I'm talking in America. It's a little dangerous to say this, but you're supposed to have cholov Yisrael. In, a, in, the, in the good old days, before Rabbi Moshe came and told us we have a heter, everybody considered, like the Hasidim do now, that, uh, that Cholov Stam, or Cholov uh, Akum, is considered to be not kosher. It's not just that it, we don't use it, we does not But since Rabbi Moshe came, every one of us, meaning the non-Hasidim, uh, the, the people who learn in regular yeshivas in America, but who are not Hasidish, we took on like Rav Moshe. We said, Rav Moshe is right. But we're machmir. Or even Rav Moshe told you to be machmir. So we continue to use Chol of Yisrael. But we know in the back of our minds that Rav Moshe Feinstein Paskin, that Chol of Stam is not treif. So that's how we work. We work, for, we work it as a chumrah and not as it's like a treif thing. But in the, in the world before Rav Moshe Feinstein, before the United States of America, before, they, they didn't function that way. Today, this is from an OU publication, by the way. From today, it costs $400 a pound for camel's milk. And to get it in America, camel's milk would cost you $400 a pound, or whatever it's called. But the, the uh, so it's obviously, it's like uh, th- 200, 300 times as much as, as our milk costs, camel's milk costs. So it's not likely that there's going to be camel's milk mixed into our, into our milk. It's just too expensive. No one would throw it away. So that's uh, an interesting thing, and that's sort of the ba- basis, one of the bases of Ramosha. Anyway, so this Sefer says, the Nodeb Yehuda, that's Recheska Landau, who lived in the 1700s, he said, He says, even if you're called a Klisheni, which means it wasn't the original thing that came from the fire, but it was poured into something else, Still in all, your cup that you drink from. So still in all, according to many people, that is usr. Now, couldn't the, couldn't the notable Yehuda know that everything is a suffix? It's a suffix. There's a, there are those who hold that it's not usr in the klisheni. And so why isn't that part of the sveikis? Why doesn't, the, why doesn't he just say, like this uh, other rabbis are saying, several of the kashva organizations said, we have a lot of sveikis here. He didn't say that. He said... It's correct that you asked them from drinking coffee in those coffee houses. But, and the Taz and the Marshal are Machmir in the Klisheni. And the Shach writes 
In the old earthenware uh, uh, cups, you know, the, uh, the, the coffee cups were made out of earthenware. So this person who was, uh, who was sending a question, he says, in Prague, many Torah-dicker people drink in the, in the houses of non-Jews. Yeda rum you should know, my dear friend, if those people are educated in Torah, they don't have Yira Shemayim. They're not God fearing people. They're light headed. If you're stuck in a place and you have nothing to eat and the only kalim there are goyish kalim and the food is kosher, you're allowed to eat and the kosher, on, the, on their plates you're allowed to have. If he cooked it up and it, his thing was not used for 24 hours, you could use it because that was called bidyeved. He's in Ushpiza. He's staying in a non-kosher inn. There's no kosher facilities for miles. He didn't choose this bed and breakfast. He is stuck. And then we have a header. If there's people around, there are Jewish people that you could go on to, it's definitely Osir. Now, Now, you're right. 10,000 feet up in the air, 20,000 feet up in the air. There's no, there's no Jewish uh, coffee house. There's nothing else. It's this or nothing. It's not this or nothing. You have, in your, in your carry-on, you have a whole meal sitting there. Or you ordered a whole glatt kosher meal that you're getting on the airplane. What are you giving up? One coffee? Do you, we have to give up more than one coffee on Tishabav, on Yom Kippur, on any one of the Tanesim, you can't give up that coffee. It's amazing to me. The, the rabbi who said that we have to, uh, you know, we have the hankering for, we have the desire for, we have to give in to our desires, I don't think that's the Das Torah. I think that, I think that the note of Yehuda was quite clear, and when he says that im heim b'nei Torah, if they are Torah-dikah people, they certainly are not God-fearing people. Maybe they don't have uh, animal, animals in town from pigs, etc., camels, like Rav Moshe was saying. But, but, but Rav Moshe said even better. Rav Moshe said that it just is not, it's not, it's not benimsa. It's not, it's not maybe or whatever. There isn't any non-kosher milk being used in the industry. And I understand that position. So he said, but anyway, he said maybe that's the reason. That there, but I'm not going there, says no to Yehuda. I'm not going to give you a heter based on that. Whoever has the power, it's a mitzvah, a great mitzvah, 
to stop people from this Easter. Gam behikila senu, haloimdim hayereim nizharim relishtos bebeis eno Yehudi. In our town, says the Nod of Yehuda, the, the, the lomdim, the people who know Torah, the B'nai Torah, and the Yerei Shemayim, they're not eating in non-Jewish houses. They're not taking a drink at a neighbor because they say, always oh, kiss Kelly Zainab ben Yomo, and this is this, and that's that. No, they don't do that. I don't have the power to fight with the masses of people. Because they see some people who are not so hatsitatsis, who are not so strict and religious, who are makil. So I think the note of Yehuda says it all. What's amazing to me is that a great rabbi in our world, I'm not going to mention the name, based upon this, permits the people to have the, uh, the coffee up in the air because he says the note of Yehuda was saying, when you're on the road, you can't help it. I think that's a misinterpretation. And my Rebbe, Rabbi Zimin Zatzal, taught us clearly that that is not what it means in all these places where you see it, where you see a mention of staying in this It's a completely different environment, a completely different thing. When you're booking a plane and you know you're going on a plane, you're right, you're going to give up a coffee for a few hours. That's the whole thing we're asking you to do. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here, I'm just... Uh, I really, I know, first of all, the, 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 the letter from the famous rabbis, yeah. it triggered me very strong. It's like, uh, in the, the Gemara said, you know, if somebody has yet to arrive, we'll <laughs> should know, go away, so move away, move away. Dress in black. Yeah, dress in black and go away, yeah. But my question is like this, you know, from the Nota of you, the, of, the, the, uh, of this... Uh, uh, answer. It seems like the the major problem is the halal. The, the whatever the iser whatever the iser is. The iser of the halal. Yeah, but the iser of halal is the rabbanan. Yeah, but and 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 halal that we were talking about is the iser doraisa. Yeah, but I'm talking now because in the airplane. That's, they don't cook over there. They don't put anything. They okay. Only, only have a pot. So that of glass, okay. Pot for right. Only black okay. coffee. Nothing else. No, no, no. That, that's the that's the, not the point we're talking about. First of all, I want you to know that anybody who's going on in the airplane and goes on even this so-called uh, kosher airline. I'm not going to talk about the names now. And is sitting in first class and is served on China and with real things, he should know that that was washed with treif. Even that they claim it's kosher. It's washed with treif. We know this for a fact, and the OU gave out a clear recommendation to avoid using that on the airlines. So you can still put your feet up high, and you can enjoy the first class, but see if you can get something else unserved on plates and silverware that wasn't wa washed and rewashed by them. If you have a new one that was opened up fresh, that's fine. But they don't get it. They they have it. It looks fresh when they take it out of a package. But that package is the way they got it from the from the from the uh, washing. Anyway, um, the, the the thing with the with the milk that they had was a question. It's a suffix of whether it's strafer, but it's but really the the, the concern is it's 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 hull of akum and it's also even if there was no non-kosher uh, animal in the area. That's what the, the question he asked by the pre-Chadish. So he was talking on a, the Rabbanic level. 
in the in the in the in the washing area, they have non-kosher food that is washed, and the heat of the 170 degrees is called cooking. So even if the food was served cold, it's considered to be bishul of basar and cholov, and treif and kosher at the same time. And there isn't any way out of that. If it goes through, as we're saying, 170, pre-wash, nothing protecting it, it's all mixed together, your things are becoming treif. Some of these kashrus agencies said, well, some of these things are glass. Okay, maybe if they're glass, maybe it's different. But, but still in all, to go ahead and say, not to make a distinction between glass and, and metal, then I, I disagree with them. They should be, if you want to do with the glass, that's one thing. But glass and metal, to, to equate them and say most of them are, gla- are glass. Well, we're saying some of them are claiming, some of the contradictions are claiming that we don't know for sure that they washed it together with it. I'm telling you, that is how it is done. This wasn't discovered now. Maybe 10 years ago, a certain rabbi discovered this reported it to the Kashrus community, and we all went into it then. We all publicized it then. But it seems as time went on, people became a little bit lax. It's hard for them to give up, as you saw, it's hard to give up going to those stores. That's the problem we have. People want to... It's, it's hard to give out to be strict. It's easier to say, enjoy. And, but sometimes we have to realize that as Rabbi Belsky said, we don't belong there. What's the chinuch? We're using non-kosher equipment. What's our chinuch? What do we want our kids to think? What are we supposed to think? Is it going to affect the next person where he goes? If he can have the coffee up in the plane, so why can't he have the coffee in Starbucks? If he can eat this in Starbucks, why can't he or somebody else eat that? It goes on and on and on. And that's what we started off with. Rabbi Belsky said he wouldn't drink the coffee. Rabbi Belsky said he wouldn't advise going to Starbucks to anybody. And that's, who we, and that's where we headed today. If anybody wants to reach us, I'm here at the studio, which is at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And if you want to text us, you can do that at 347-927-8398. What's wrong with Starbucks coffee? What does the rabbi... Uh, okay, by Starbucks coffee. Well, so he asked about another rabbi. I'm not rabbi, that rabbi you're mentioning. My name is Rabbi Wickler. I'm with Kashrus Magazine. Uh, the editor of Kashas Magazine, and uh, I'm not involved with any of the other Kashas. I'm not involved with any Kashas organization. We just do a publication on the whole topic. Um, what's wrong with Starbucks coffee? It's not the Starbucks coffee. It's the equipment there. It's the milk. Uh, if you're Machpin on Chalvi Israel or whatever, uh, if, you, if you want to, uh, if you want to make sure that there are some products there that are not kosher, and uh, yes, you can study it. Go to the CRC website, CRC website, that's crcweb.org, and they'll tell you the limitations they give you. But here tonight, we taught you what Rabbi Belsky said, 
And we're in Brooklyn, and he was a Paisek here, and he was a Rosh Hashiva here in Yeshiva Torah and he was one of the Paiskim for the OU, and he said that he would not advise anybody to go to Starbucks. That's I read from the OU pub, sent that to us. And the other uh, quote we had, that he wouldn't go in, he couldn't get any, uh, uh, he, he wouldn't take the, um, he wouldn't take the coffee up in the in the airplane. Okay, you're on Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Are you talking to me? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay. Every single week almost, it's the Starbucks and 7-Eleven. Can't we just make an introduction at the beginning of the program? It's not available. We can't use it. Well, we, we, we're we going to make a statement now. And I think yeah. I, I said it in the beginning of the show that... If you have questions about this topic, really you should call me up. We're not going to do it on the show. But tonight's show, we did it because we studied this topic of the coffee, and yeah. we were a little bit surprised at, at, the, um, at, at how, an, how no, a number of conscious organizations were not just aware of the facts. And also, we f- were surprised that some of them reacted, as we said, by saying, you have to give in to your desires. So oh, really? I, so go to 42nd Street. Oh, no, no, come on. So we, okay, okay. Thank you. Sorry. Okay, okay, thank you for the Walk call. With the long shadow, okay. The desires, okay. Right? okay, we're not going to go there. Thank you no, very I'm much not. for the call. It's just like so frustrating every time. They don't understand English? No. Uh, no the people. I'm sorry. I enjoy your program. It's okay. very informative. And keep pushing hard. Okay, thank you very thank much you for the call. Thank you for the call. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. No, but 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 no, oh, no, no. But the point I wanted to go into this because I, I we yes. were showing I I brought a lot of new material. But I, I and in the, in the, no, in the future I would like anybody who has questions of the Starbucks or the uh, the Seven Eleven call my office seven one eight three three six eight five four four. When you catch me, we'll we'll talk about it. But uh, this this show, we're going to go on to other topics. I just thought that this material was very important. And when I saw that note of Yehud, I thought you really would enjoy hearing it. And I felt that the gentleman who I quoted, uh, that rabbi who I quoted, I felt it was important to hear his approach, which I, I didn't uh, agree with at all, that he felt that you have to sometimes give in to your desires. And, uh, you know, and you're hankering for these things, you just, just can't stay away if it's not really trifed. And I, I think that that's the wrong chinuch, and I brought Rabbi Belsky's approach, which I thought was very, very helpful. So I think we did something new today, and I don't think it's a restatement. Okay, you're on Kashrus on the air. Can we help you? No one's there? Okay. Okay. Um, since we have another cu- a couple of seconds here. So, yeah, all right. Okay, somebody's there? Okay. Hello, you're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I, I have a question about something else. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, I wanted to know the difference. There are some companies that um, process the product, a Hamish brand, but they're, they're common boxes that are universally a national brand. Right. I don't know if you want me to say the names. Or no, 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 don't, say, don't mention any names. About. Don't mention any names. Uh, cer- okay, so certain snacks. And I'm wondering what the difference is. I know it's very obviously coming from this national brand company, and I'm wondering what the difference is. It's, it's, in, a, it's in a Hamish brand bag. I, I'm a little confused what you're saying. You're talking about just a sticker from the Gajos? No, 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 no. I'm talking about, let's say, a Hamish brand snack. 
Right. It's coming in the Hamisher brand snack bag with right. a full regular bag, but it's coming in the boxes in the store. They're labeled with a national snack brand, which is an OU product. Okay. And so so what happens what is like this. Okay, let me explain to you. There's no way to answer the question because there's different answers for different situations. There are okay. people who give hashkocha. And so first of all, if it came in a bag, the bag, the bags themselves were made with the Hamish brand name, right. then usually what happens is that they are a client of the national company. The national okay. company is making products for sometimes as much as 500 different companies. Mm -hmm. Heinz, the Heinz company has 500 different labels that are not theirs. 500 different labels that are not theirs. So they're, they're doing for hundreds of people, they're making different things. And people, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're buying it, and they, they get the, uh, whoever prints the labels or the packaging, but uh, it's in the, in, the, in the warehouse there of, the, of Heinz or whoever it is, and then mm -hmm. they're putting the thing in, and they're, and they're finishing it off. So now, did the Kashrus agency, the Hamish Kashrus agency or Hamish company do anything? So the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. And I'm going to tell you three different things that could be. One is that they did a special run. Yes, it was made in the company, but they had their own mishkiach there. You should know that somebody like Dogim Tuna, they go down to a company, they're going to a regular company. It's not, they don't own the company. In the old days, they told me, I don't know what it is today, but I remember in the old days, they'd go a couple times a year for a couple of days, and that was enough for them for the whole year. They went in special runs, but it wasn't just a special run. They had downtime, clean the equipment, uh, and so were there for the entire production, mm -hmm. and it was packaged, and it was, uh, the label was put on, and then they went home. So that's a big thing. They did their thing with Mashkiach Tamidi, Bishi Yisrael, the whole business. But it was the same company, so it could come in a box from that company, but it really is a whole different thing. And then, then you have another kind of thing where uh, they do, they really don't change very much, but they choose where to go. Like, for example, some places have several factories. And in one factory, there may be animal and vegetable there. And this rabbi will not take anything from an animal vegetable plant. He'll only take from a vegetable only. He won't take a place that has any animal product there. So he says, I'll make it in that plant. You, you can make it, the kosher, the Hamish brand, you can make it in that plant, but you can't use this plant. So th and that's a decision. That's a decision that's a kashrus decision that the rabbi made, which is a very important one. He didn't do a special run, but he made a halachic kashrus decision, which is a very important one. And, 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 and uh, you wouldn't know that. And then, of course, the third thing, which you're uh, suspecting, is that there are people who don't do anything, just put my name on it. And, uh, but it, I'm and, not saying the Kashrus is not good. It's probably good right. enough for it, them. It, it was good enough it. for them. I'm wondering right. 
what would be the difference of me buying the one with in the Hamish bag? Because you don't know which of the three things that were done. If you if you hold from the Hamish Ashkacha, you don't know which of the three things that I just told you were done. Right, I understand that. So in uh-huh. some cases, they will do a completely different one. There's I a, there's a, I'm not going to mention names of rabbis, but there's one Hasidic mm-hmm. rabbi that I know very well. And the, the, the company that employs him to give the hashgacha is very upset with him. And they used to complain to me all the time. It takes two years, they said to me, for him to approve a product. He must go to the foreign country and check out all the ingredients, and check that ingredient is coming from there, he's going to send somebody there. And they, it, it drove, drove them up a wall. So they decided to get other rabbis, and they get some of the products made by him, some of the products by him, and they got easier rabbis to deal with. But that rabbi is worth his weight in gold, because he, he won't let anything go past him, and he's known in the industry as a very tough rabbi who, will, who doesn't doesn't get excited about anything. He's going to make sure that this is a kosher product. And that's why the, those, the, those Rabbanim who are doing that, they're worth their weight in gold. Mm-hmm. I hear. Okay. Thank okay. You very much. Thank you for the call. Is there any Thank more callers? No. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yeah, hi. I wanted to ask you, I wasn't feeling well most of I had a heartburn, and I sent my 17-year-old to buy me med- um, some antacid in the drugstore. It was late at night, and he he was asking me like, "How do we know if it's kosher?" And I didn't know what to answer him. Well, I don't know what you got. Uh, I got. I'm not sure what I got. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> Let me explain to you. There, obviously, this 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 uh, this is a different question of a different nature. If you're taking a medicine. So medicine doesn't have to be kosher. If you can't help, if you can't get anything that's kosher, you certainly can take a medicine that's not kosher. Even, but the problem with the with the medicines today, they're all flavored. They're all cut. They're all fla- very flavorful. There was a Tums years ago. There was Tums. Right, Tums. I wanted Tums, and they didn't have Tums, so I had to get something else. Okay, right. but then they, when the old days, they had Tums. So there's some the original Tums didn't have any ashkocha. Now, of course, it has ashkocha. This ashkocha, that ashkocha, oh, whatever. This has ashkocha. Okay. But they, no, some of the Tums have Ashkocha. Not all of them. The ones that are made in Canada have no Ashkocha, uh-huh. and you shouldn't use them. The ones that are made in this country have a, tri, uh, have a diamond K on some of them. Uh-huh. That's an acceptable Ashkocha for this purpose, and no problem. But, but, you, but, you, have, um, but you have, you have a, a, something like Tums. So the old Tums, nobody liked that. The white stuff, uh-huh. no one liked that. Uh-huh. So then uh-huh. it's a, totally a medicine. But if you like the flavor, then we, I hold you have to make a bracha on it. And it has yeah. to be kosher. So uh-huh. you really do need to have kosher. Uh, and, 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 and antacid, there are a lot of things available that either are, uh, you know, are not going to create a kashrus issue or that they do have ashkocha. So in general, we don't look for medicines to have kosher, although the OU is going into that area, but we don't look for medicines to be kosher. But if they're, flav- they're flavored well, then there's a whole different set of rules that apply. And if it's a serious thing, you have to take it no matter what. But if it's, and children are hard for them to take certain things, but there are ways that we tell people to deal with it and there's the age of the person and what the issue is. That's yeah. something that has to be asked specifically at the time when, uh, you know, when you have to get the medicines. Uh-huh. Right. So something like Trilosec, I don't think it has anything. What, what did you say? Trilosec. I don't know what that is. 
I don't know, like Prevacid. Um, I don't know what that is. It's like antacid, yeah. Antacid, but again, if it's a if it's a flavorful antacid, it should be kosher. Uh huh. Okay. And if and if possible, you get a kosher one and make a bracha on it. But if you it sound like you're in the from area, the from stores all have kosher, uh, I, uh, kosher ones. And Tom's uh, the ones with the uh, the diamond K would be good enough. And that that's pretty much in even the non-Jewish stores. Okay. 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 Thank you for I'm the call. Thank you. Thank you. Another caller, Greg. You're unconscious on the air. Can we help you? Hello. Yes, you're unconscious on the air with Rabbi Wicker. Can you help you? Yes. Hi. What is the story? There's been a thing going around that gum doesn't need to be kosher. Is there any? That what doesn't have to be kosher? Gum. 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 G U M. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Uh, how did you get the idea of me kosher? We were brought up, I mean, I'm, I'm a little older than you, and we were brought up as kids that gum has to be kosher. What, what, are, you ta- what are you talking about? You, you, you're, you're enjoying it? You're, you're, you're chewing it? You're swallowing it? Some people make a bracha on gum. I, don't, I mean, that, there's a shyla other than that, but many people make a bracha on gum. How could you not have kosher? Do you know that the, 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 um, in the gum base, which is the thing that you're chewing away at, in many places is trafe. The gum base is very possibly trafe. Okay, I'm sorry I can't help you more. We're going to have to cut soon, so uh, thank you for the call. Let me just mention before we go, I want to mention that uh, we had a special was on last week. I'm going to mention the special again. Unfortunately... Um, I wasn't able to return. We weren't able to return any calls this week. We were finishing up the magazine and the kosher supervision guide. The new number of all the kosher symbols is 1,371. And uh, if you want to get a subscription to the magazine, uh, we have a special two for $40 for the year. Normally it's $25. And of course, one is $25, two for $40. You can call us 718 718- Three three six eight five four four, and you'll get this full book, a two hundred and sixteen page book of the all the kosher symbols and organizations, together with all the magazines of the year. And two people, two different uh, people, can subscribe for the cost of forty dollars together. And our telephone number again seven one eight three three six eight five four four, and the email is kashrus k a s h r u s at AOL.com. Just last, before we, if we close, I want to say one thing. We can't answer every week all the little questions. I, I heard part of the show. You have to listen to the show. If you can't catch the whole show, why don't you go to where it's archived on jrootradio.com, J-R-O-O-T radio.com. You can hear our shows uh, in the, uh, the, the, the archived over there, and you'll hear everything. You won't miss one word. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for listening.